This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. I am James, here joined after a roughly three-week hiatus by Alex. Yo, As, what's up? Dude, what's up, man? It's been it's been a while since we've chatted on the show. It's been, needless to say, as I'm sure everyone's aware, a bizarre, weird, crazy, unprecedented time in the world and in everybody's lives. I hope all of our listeners out there are staying sane while in quarantine and self-isolating and doing all of the things that we need to do as a society to prevent this uh, horrible, horrible virus from from being too much of too impactful. But it, it clearly has just just wreaked havoc on the entire world. And uh, Alex, I don't know, how have you been holding up while cooped up in your your new uh, mansion? <laughs> Not quite a mansion. I mean, it, it's it's been good, right? I, I mean, you know, me and my family, um, have been pretty blessed to not have to really deal with it. Like we haven't been directly affected by it yet. So that's nice. Other than obviously, you know, staying home and that sort of thing. So that's always good. Obviously, um, no soccer is definitely a downside to it, right? Like if nothing else is going on, at least like give us something to, to watch and, and think about. Um, so that, that's, that's always a negative, but at the same time, it's been like a nice mental reset. I'm sure other Everton fans feel the same way because I'm not going to lie to you. Like the last match that we saw Everton play was live at Stamford Bridge and it really left a bad taste in my mouth. So to kind of just get a, a little bit of a break mentally and, and come back and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Everton today as, as I'm assuming you are too. So, so, uh, it should be great, but otherwise, how about yourself? I mean, how is, how have things been going on your end? It's been good, man. Like like you said, I mean, my family's been very fortunate to not have been super impacted directly by the virus. Obviously, the indirect effects, um, you know, all my family's still working. My mom does like telehealth stuff. My my dad's a teacher, so he's like adjusting to the to the remote teaching lifestyle. I'm adjust I've been adjusting to the work from home lifestyle, managing people through basically Google Hangouts, more or less. Uh yeah, which has been tough, a weird adjustment, but I'm I'm starting to finally this this was the the month mark. This was our fourth week of work from home as of yesterday. And yeah, it's, it's been weird. And, and it, it's all the weirder just because of the timing of our trip made everything just happen so fast, right? We're on the trip of our lives, having an un- unbelievable experience every single day, day after day for two weeks. And we come home and then it's like a switch flipped. And all of a sudden the world is just in, in chaos more or less where we had Literally the day after we got back, I was in the office and looking at, at COVID headlines. And I see that two cases had been reported at Trinity College in Dublin and we were there. And then that was sort of when it became very real and tangible for me. And so all of the Everton experiences while we were abroad were great. But just coming back in that immediate shift to like emergency mode globally really was just like kind of jarring how how close we came to potentially being like stuck in England, for example, if we had been there a week later. I, I, I didn't touch base with any of the Everton USA people, but they had that trip that they, they'd planned to go over for the Derby. 
And then the derby gets called off and they're, they're presumably in Liverpool, like holding their hands. What the heck are we going to do? So uh, I've been holding up well in quarantine. I, I'm kind of an introvert by nature. So staying inside hasn't been the most difficult thing, but it's nice to just, it, it's, it's different when you have the option to like turn down, hanging out with your friends or cancel plans to stay in versus I have literally no other option, but to sit in like, hang out in my house. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, for example, my girlfriend, Allie, it's been driving her nuts to be in the house for me. Like, honestly, this is kind of bringing out like my introverted side. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too hurt about it. Right. Like I've been I've been finally like getting back to reading, which is nice, you know, and I'm feeling like mm-hmm. I'm I'm finally like just starting to de-stress from just like the everyday stressors of life. Right. I mean, naturally, most people are spending less money because you're not able to go out and do stuff. And so that's always helpful. Um but to kind of transition into Everton related topics, first I wanted to give a shout out to Chris Taylor. His handle is Chris Taylor two fifty on Twitter. Um, he responded in which I, I tweeted on our account saying that we were finally back, and he said he just discovered us from the Royal Blue podcast from our trip when we joined Adam Jones, and only had one recent episode to listen to, which was our um, <laughs> Stamford Bridge despair episode. Uh. So Chris, shouts out to you. Um, we made this episode just for you, my guy, so get ready for it. But, uh, otherwise, I mean, you know, I think just to give you all a little bit of a insight, you know, James and I, we felt like we really generated a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about what we were doing and the community that we've been building with all of you, like on, on social media and on discord and that sort of thing. And, and just getting excited about Everton across, you know, over in the States and, and it was unfortunate, the timing of the pandemic, obviously this is the least unfortunate part of it. So please don't take this in the wrong way, but we were really hoping, you know, to be able to be able to capture that momentum and and push it forward. Um, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that. So hopefully we can kind of get back on the right track. And, and um, just as a, as a quick kind of informational piece, uh, James and I talked about it. We plan on doing one episode a week, uh, presumably on the weekends um, until, you know, the soccer community as a whole gets a little more active, whether that's matches are being played or, you know, we have a date for when matches are being played and then more news and more information starts coming out. Um, so that's kind of the plan vice our usual plan of recording once midweek and then once. Midweek. Right. And just as an aside to that, I mean, I think both of us are, are unbelievably fortunate with the timing of the trip with everything, but also the fact that, you know, we both are still able to work and, and make money and um, haven't been directly impacted by the by the virus. But for those who are, obviously, this is a, this is a very serious time and, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we do this podcast as, you know, it's not our primary means of income, but our thought process for taking a kind of break was, you know, we don't want to just produce content for the sake of producing content. And we want to really provide value added to you guys when we, when we get on the mics. And so with everything that's been going on, it just didn't seem like the timing was right for us to continue to talk about Everton. And, um, I will say that I, I'm pretty grateful that we're not, uh, like professional journalists who have to, it's really kind of no disrespect to any of them. It's just the nature of the situation, but scrape the bottom of the barrel to try to find content to produce in the day to day. So it's been nice. And, and after a, a three week break, it, I'm, I'm champing at the bit to get back into talking about Everton because I have missed it a lot. I've missed the club. Yes. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I was very excited to come and, and hang out and record finally. And, and so it's going to be great. Um, real quick last bit before we actually hop into the episode um one of the ideas that we had for content over the next maybe even couple months depending on 
the feedback um, from all of you, we thought that maybe to be creative, we could do some investigative type of journalism and start doing episodes based on player profiles for four players at Everton already, right? So, you know, the general thought might be take, you know, Alex Iwobi, for example, and we might try to look up, you know, as much information as we can about his life to this point, right? You know, his likes, dislikes, anything that we can find um, and kind of putting it together into a player profile episode and then doing that for X number of players. If that sounds interesting, um, we'll probably run like a, a Twitter a Twitter poll or something, um, but please respond, um, shoot us an email, let us know if that sounds like a good thought, if that's interesting to you in terms of a content perspective. And also, it, you know, if it brings up any other ideas, we always love to hear ideas for content. If there's something you want to hear, um, if it's something that you can piggyback off of that or something you can add to that, please let us know because we look forward to it. But without further ado, James, why don't we hop in? Yeah, let's talk about Everton Football Club and, and the other major topic, of course, the, the global pandemic, coronavirus. But, you know, we want to keep this kind of upbeat. And I think Everton in particular have really uh, set a standard or set a really good precedent for how to behave as a football club. And they have for years and years and years. But this crisis only emphasizes what true, true to their roots, true to the community club Everton are. And I think that starts with the fact that the focus on the fans, right? So Denise Barrett-Baxendale, of course, CEO, made some comments yesterday saying that Everton are, are looking into options to, to do right by the fans as far as re refunds on remaining season tickets and all of those sorts of things. Financial issues are quickly becoming an issue or the most pressing issue for many families who are worried about if they're going to have enough to be able to pay rent, to pay utilities, to buy food for their families. And so... In a time when sports and any kind of extracurriculars have taken a back seat, it's been really refreshing to see how the club have stepped up in the community per, uh, aspect to, to to really give back to the Liverpool community and, and the Everton fan base as a whole. Right. I mean, literally, I, I don't think I'm understated in staying in saying that the most uh, talked about topic across soccer social media is legitimately just how certain clubs are handling the pandemic and covering wages from a business perspective, right? Like how they're going to handle themselves. And then obviously, like, are you are you contributing to your community and that sort of thing? Uh, it's no surprise that Everton are dealing with it, in my opinion, probably perfectly. They're literally doing everything that they possibly could or close to it in terms of just really contributing, making sure that, you know, the family that are workers across the club, like employees across the club, and then also like the community around the club in Liverpool is being taken care of, at least to a certain degree. So one of those things, right, Everton has pledged to pay all of their staff fully during the pandemic, which is huge. I mean, that is like the basis of debate across social media, as mentioned, like with all these clubs, right? You have like Liverpool Football Club, <laughs> literally X amount of yards away from Goodison Park, like they they were all over the media being criticized by everyone for their handling of of the fact that I think they didn't plan on paying a certain amount of employees during the the pandemic and the lockdown. Yeah, they so they furloughed uh, a certain percentage of their non-playing staff or had announced that they planned to do that. And then the backlash was just unbelievable, especially when you talk about Liverpool as one of the wealthiest and again. As, as begrudgingly as I'll say this, more successful clubs in England, for them to, to announce something like that, where they're essentially offloading worker wages to the federal government 
is is kind of strange and clearly that was the wrong decision as the backlash caused them to walk back that decision in I think less than 24 hours which I don't know really know how they could have seen it going any other way but in the fact that they got like credit for walking back their initial stance again seems kind of unfair when again clubs like Everton are leaving leading the way by announcing being proactive and in, in helping out their workers and the people that make the club what it is. So again, you just you just can't commend Everton enough for the work that they do in the community on a regular basis and the fact that they've stepped up their efforts so immensely during this really trying time. The other efforts that have been put in place include they've extended the season ticket renewal deadline to give people more flexibility. Obviously not everyone can afford the expense of a season ticket right now and and who knows really when the this season's going to resume and furthermore when we're even going to be able to play next season they're talking about if this goes into the fall how will this uh influence the 2021 season there's some other things that the players specifically have been doing and i know there's this debate now kind of raging about do players do players need to take a wage cut during this time is that something that's fair to the to the players to the club but there are efforts from individual players sort of doing things of their own accord. And that includes this initiative uh, called Players Together, hashtag Players Together. And they partnered with one of the NHS charities in the UK, um, players for Everton that are participating in it include Luca Dean, Andre Gomez, uh, Calvert-Lewin, as well as Alex Awobi. And they're essentially of their own accord, giving resources, I assume that means money, to these charities in order to allocate resources where the outbreak is the worst and help the most people possible. And so while this debate's raging about whether players should be forced to take wage cuts, it is refreshing to see that the players are doing things proactively because they they recognize how fortunate they are to be in the position that they are. And they also recognize that play, people are in desperate need of help right now. So I know that Everton embody a lot of these good characteristics, but it's good to see the players do it on their own um, to help people out in this, in this again, just bizarre. And I can't even... If you asked me a month ago, if we'd be here, I never would have possibly imagined it. So Right. And you know what? And on top of that, right, I want to say I saw players like Richarlison, maybe it was Yeri Mina also, that were doing a lot of chari- charitable work for their for their towns and their countries um, for, for, from back or for their communities back home, too. It's just not getting the PR because it might not be like an organized hashtag with, you know, obviously someone like the NH- NHS. So even then, right, like. Our players are doing great work, and and as you said, it, it's really positive to see. Um, you know, the the club themselves, along with some of the players, have been calling fans, specifically some older fans or fans really affected by the pandemic, to check in on them and kind of brighten their day, which I think is also really important and really fantastic because a lot of people, I mean, including myself, and I'm sure you at some point, like sometimes it feels like Everton could be one of the only things that is is really enjoyable at certain points in life and for certain people. Um, so for that to happen, it seems very trivial. And, and, and some people might think that it's just kind of like a small PR move. But really, I mean, if you were to be called up by, you know, I don't know, just Andre Gomez or something saying like, how are right. you doing? You know, I, I know that you you were affected heavily, like hopefully everything's doing well. I mean, that that's that's amazing. So it's really it, nice to see Everton doing all this. And it's really you're right. It's easy to think of it in kind of a cynical way where it's like, oh, this is PR. But I think this pandemic has brought out a lot of positive traits. And again, if it was if it was another club, 
I may be more critical or more cynical about it, but because it's Everton, it just feels so genuine. It's like, of course, of course they're having Carlo Ancelotti and, and players call fans to check in on them because it's Everton. What else would they possibly do? They're very connected to the community. They want to make sure that all of the vulnerable fans and people who are susceptible to the virus are, are safe and doing well. And it, that call that Carlo Ancelotti had with the fan, the video that got released was awesome. And it is good publicity, but it's also just the right thing to do. And it seems like that's Everton's motivation in almost all cases, especially now, more so than any of the um, media coverage or anything in that nature. Okay, so in terms of just clubs dealings with coronavirus, let's wrap this up with with a quick debate about whether or not player wages should be foregone for the sake of, you know, covering, let's say, other other worker other employees workers at clubs or maybe for charitable work to preface this i would like to make a point you know i think we saw that and correct me if i'm wrong or or give more detail southampton players i want to say all agreed to an x percent cut on their wages or full wages um in order for the club to be able to pay all of the staff is that correct yeah, I believe that that's correct. Southampton and then shortly after, uh, so that was two days ago that Southampton announced it. They're the first club to announce that the players blanketly uh, accepting a pay cut. And then West Ham also just yesterday announced that they're following suit. So so here's the, the point I want to make before hopping into this kind of topic is all of these comparing a club to another club in this situation, you have to keep in mind their business, um, th- what's going on in their business. Everton are very lucky because from a financial perspective, obviously we talk about financial fair play all the time and the fact that we've blown 400 million pounds on players in the last X amount of years. But financially, Everton are a big enough club, a big enough brand in which they should have the ability to pay workers um, a certain amount. You know, you might have to take cuts elsewhere. Clubs like Southampton, let's say, are a much smaller brand, less revenue, right? So... They may, from a business perspective, need players to take a pay cut in order to actually sustain wages for everyone at the club. So I just want to make that point um, before we talk about it. Certain clubs might physically not be able to do it unless players take a wage cut, whereas other clubs, let's say Liverpool, have profited. I think I think they had like 40 something million pounds in profit last year, last season alone. Forty two, um, I think. Yeah. Right. So so and then you have clubs like Liverpool, right, who initially said that they weren't going to pay any of their any of their staff during this pandemic, but they profited forty two million dollars or pounds last year. So there are differences from a business perspective, from a financial perspective, and that does affect our conversation on on whether players should have their wages reduced. Um, in order to cover these expenses. Right. And and you're talking about not just cutting wages for the sake of paying maybe other staff, but in some cases you're talking about cutting wages just so that the club can stay solvent and not have to like default right. or go bankrupt. Right. And in That's those a more extreme case. Yep. It, right. It, it, because like when you talk about Southampton, you're still talking about within the Premier League, but you remember, of course, there's hundreds of teams that aren't getting TV revenue and now they're not getting any match day revenue. And that is just catastrophic to the balance sheet for all of these clubs who who forecast all of this income and then have expenses, obviously, to kind of based on those forecasts. And now all of a sudden, everything, all the revenues dried up and they're left with all these ridiculous wages to pay for players. And so I think it's it's hard to speak about it broadly, like you said, Alex, because every club situation is a little different. But at this time, 
I understand where you're a professional and you've worked so hard your whole life to get to this position where you are able to make as much money as you do. But when you're not playing and you've got, you know, in the US, 15 million people have, have filed for unemployment in the last three weeks in unprecedented number. It's, it's crazy. I just think that they shouldn't be forced to, to garnish their wages, but I do think that that clubs need to have that conversation on a club by club basis to determine what's the best what's the best outcome for them. And in the case of Everton, it wouldn't surprise me to see them follow in the in the tracks of West Ham and Southampton and announce that the players are taking a cut. But there are alternatives where you can have the players, you know, proactively donate those sorts of sorts of resources, donate money, whether they'll they'll actually donate all of full thirty percent or whatever it is 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 impossible to know but i do think that again everton are in a position where we may not be forced to do that but you feel for the little guys in this in this situation where a league one side just can't afford to play their pay their players their full wages or they're going to go under and it, it, the ramifications of this could could bankrupt dozens if not you know just so many clubs are very very vul- are in a very vulnerable state right now and so I think it's, frankly, for the sake of the future of the sport, it's it's almost necessary at a certain level for the players to take some kind of wage cut, whatever. The 30% number seems to have been like what's been decided, but I don't know, is there a right number? Is there a wrong number? Um, I'm not totally sure on that. Yeah, I mean, here here here's my opinion, right? Because we know it's a there are a lot of different cases. So you can argue one way or the other in many different cases. But here's what I'll say. If the club financially is able to pay all their players and the workers, right? Players and workers or employees only. Then you, I, I don't think it, you, you can force your players to take a wage cut, even though they're on big wages comparatively. If you are able to pay everyone, I don't think that you can force them to do so. Um, from a human's perspective, I think that the players should take it upon themselves to do something. It, you know, it, it's not my life. It's, I, I don't know anything about their personal life and their, their financial situation. But I think that, you know, it's a really good opportunity to allow some, you know, a lot of players to really like just get a taste of what um, charitable work is and, 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 and how beneficial it is to everyone that you're doing it for and with, but also for yourself. However, I do think if you're talking about let's let's just say, I don't know, a League One club, some obscure League One club that we know is not raking in the, the TV money anytime soon. And they legitimately like they can't cut enough and still be able to pay everyone. I think it's completely fine for them to walk up to their players and just say, look, we've worked it out. If we cut your pay by 20 percent, the entire team's pay by 20 percent, then we can keep the club afloat. And all of these other all of these other people that are at this club can get paid and can feed their families. I think that's OK. And that, you know, and, and honestly, if it is that if that's the case, then that's a business decision. You know, the club could straight up say like, look, we have to cut 20% of your wages. It'll pay for everything else. We're not willing to let, you know, we're not willing to let Alex Johnson like starve his family because we're not paying him, you know, 80 bucks a day. Like that's not going to happen. Um, so I, in my mind, those are just kind of the two most cut and dry generic scenarios I could think of in my, and how my opinion would differ. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And I think, if we get to a situation where like clubs are on the verge of no club should go my my the long and short of it is for me is no club should be forced to go under by having to because the players are refusing to take a pay cut. If that's the choice you have to make, then I think the, the choice for the players should be relatively easy on an individual basis. It obviously differs where some players are further along in their careers and may not have much, many more 
seasons to play where they can still make X amount of money and they've planned their retirement. And they, again, football is a, is a short career. You're done by your mid thirties, usually at the latest. And so you've, you've got to kind of plan to save your money and spend it wisely. And so I understand this is disruptive for the players, but when you're talking about Premier League footballers who are making six figures a week, it just doesn't seem like too much of a sacrifice relative to some of the sacrifices being made by first responders, by healthcare workers, by all of these professions that are literally putting their lives at risk every single day. It just seems trivial in comparison to give up again, when you sit 30%, 30,000 of a hundred that you're still making 70 K a week. Right. So it's not like it's, it's, you're going to have to suddenly live in poverty. And if that means that you can prevent someone else from living in poverty, um, Specifically during this trying time, like I'm not advocating for any overall political stance, but I just think as it pertains to sport, sport specifically and football, the players, I think, have to kind of take it upon themselves to to be reasonable given the circumstances of each of their respective clubs. Hopefully, Lucas Dean heard you and, and he knows that he's going to have to cut back on the ball main. Uh, for the <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, I think I think that was I think that was a a good conversation about Everton's dealings with coronavirus and, and and how they're taking care of the club and everyone around the club and then also kind of how how the business pers- from a business perspective how this all plays out and, and and kind of what what could or could not be fair. So, kind of wrap up the episode, we're going to talk about um Michael Keane for a second and then we're going to wrap it up with, with with two kind of exciting rumors. I would think people would get excited about that. Uh, first yeah. things first, right? Michael Keane, um, it, it's been a it's been a, a a very nice trend. Sometimes trend is not used in in a in a good way, but this has been a really nice trend, you know, in in sport in general. Well, really in in over everyday life, it's been more widely accepted to talk about mental mental health. Um and then that has kind of translated into really sport and then obviously soccer. And so Michael Keane recently spoke about his mental health issues, even specifically um, while at Everton over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and he talks about, and this is something that's been covered kind of, but I think this is probably the most extensively he's spoken about it. Uh, it was an article in The Athletic, just talking about how difficult it was when things weren't going well for him, when he had that nasty foot injury and wasn't able to play at his best. It was really just in a dark place in his life. And he talks about his dog and how having a companion really kind of helped ground him and get him back focused on on playing and and being his regular self but he talks about the Ronald the year under Ronald Koeman where it was a, a really bad season he didn't have no one on the team was playing well including himself and we talk about all of all of football fans are very passionate and Everton fans are no exception Michael Keane got a lot of stick on social media and and in the press and in, in all of those things. And that definitely takes a toll. And we don't think about it. It's easy when you're really fired up after a match, after someone lets a defender go by him and or a striker go by him and score a goal to say this player is, is worthless. He's, he's shite. He needs to be binned off. And, and these sorts of things affect people. Like you don't think about it because you're not saying it directly to the player, but p- people say things in a tweet that they would never imagine they would say to face to face to a person, as we all know, keyboard warriors and all of that stuff. And I, and it's refreshing to hear Michael Keane speak candidly about it because he's been one that's been inconsistent in his performances. But it's why we don't like take these ridiculous stances of of attacking someone's personal character or their value as a human being when we're talking about it's just a game. And I think sometimes it's really hard to remember that, but it's it's nice to hear Michael Keane, A, that he's in a better place now, which is refreshing to hear. And, and also just that 
he can kind of open up that conversation and maybe open some doors for other players or even everyday people to speak out about this stuff because it is important, especially now when we're all isolated and, and stuck inside, that if you are having a hard time to, to just talk to someone because people will listen, people feel alone sometimes, but in this day and age with the internet and everything, you can be very connected with people even though you can't see them face to face. Yeah, and you, and you know what? I think it, it's also a good time to kind of realize that players are people as well, right? Like amid the fact that sports are just a complete no-go for the foreseeable future and, and you know, a lot of these players, I'm sure, are kind of thinking like, what do I do with my time? I've been training all day, every day, religiously for X amount of years. And now, you know, now I can only train by myself and I can't go, you know, to Finch Farm and I can't do this and do that. But I think as fans, like it's a good time to realize that there are more to these people and they are people than than just playing at Everton Football Club or playing, you know, wherever else. And 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 they have feelings and bombarding them on social media and stuff is not always a good thing. And especially as a fan, like if you're, if you're a fan of Everton football club and you're like harassing play your own players on social media, um, and then you see them in the starting lineup on the weekend and they're not playing well, like there's a, there's a solid chance that like you along with other people are just like kind of killing their confidence. But nonetheless, to end it on a, on some positive notes, we have a couple exciting rumors. Um, the first thing is first, Recently, and I, I think it did happen a couple times over the summer, but it was never very concrete. Um, Everton is getting linked with Jack Grealish, the attacking midfielder at Aston Villa. James, what do you think about Jack Grealish? Oh, I really, really rate Jack Grealish. I think he's a, an outstanding player. He would be an immediate upgrade on Gilfie Sigurdsson, who is a player that I think actually I wanted to mention at the back end of that conversation about Michael Keane because he's one that just gets relentless stick. That's and true. that has to take a mental toll on him. But just speaking of it objectively from a from a purely football perspective, I think Jack Grealish would be an immense upgrade in our midfield. We know that that's probably our area with the least amount of depth at face value, besides maybe another position we'll talk about very shortly. He It's going to be very hard to get him away from Aston Villa. He's their talisman. He is a boyhood fan of the club. And it looks like we're going to be in for him, potentially, whether this rumor's legit, of course, Reporters are, like I said earlier, really reaching for some of this stuff, but it does seem like a possibility that we might be able to sign him, um, depending on what our outgoings look like. It's going to be a big fee, and, and it looks like Manchester United will probably be in for him as well. So it would be a, a really tough competition to try to, you know, outbid Manchester United. But it just thinking about Jack Grealish in our midfield in that attacking role is extremely exciting because I think he has a lot to offer. He's he's at that right age. I think he's 26. So just coming into his prime right now. And he could be our, our rock in midfield for several years to come if we could somehow pull this off. Um, I, I just the transfer rumors right now are just getting kind of out of hand. But this was one that jumped out to me where I was like, yes, please let this be true, please. Right. I mean, I like I like Jack Grealish a lot because he's got really great ball control skills like he's quick. Um, he's got the physical aspect that you would need in a player for the Premier League. That's always obviously harped on. Um, but to your point about the fee, the fee is going to be big. Not only is there, he's their talisman, he's their boyhood, you know, fan. He's also their captain. He's also English, which brings an English tax, right? Because every, every club in the Premier League has to have a certain number of English players. Um, just like in, in many leagues and honestly in many sports. And so. You know, it would be very exciting. It would be an upgrade for us for sure. And it gives him plenty of time to continue growing along with our club, which is what we need and what we want. 
So, I mean, I say I'm all in for it if, you know, depending on how outrageous the fee could be and also um, and also kind of just how what the po- probability of it happening could be. Um, now, the last link, which would be definitely um, I think this is probably the position everyone was literally worried about the most at the beginning of the season uh, center back. Because we only have three, right? We have Mason Holgate, who's really come into his own. We talked extensively about him in the last episode. And then we have Yeri Mina and Michael Keane, who we just talked about quite a bit too. There's a player at Lille, the the team in France, um, named Gabriel. He's Brazilian, I want to say. And he has actually been linked with Everton quite a bit. I mean, it's been through the January transfer window, I want to say he might have been linked with us over the summer even. So so this one spans back quite a bit. Um, it feels like it could be pretty realistic. He's he's in his early 20s, so he's got a lot of room to grow, but he's been starting for Lil. Now, the reason the reason why we're bringing it up now, past the fact that he's just been linked with us, um, is the fact that Andre Gomez did an Instagram live chat with none other than Jose Font. You may remember him. He was a center back at Southampton for a while. He's now actually playing at Lil with Gabriel in central defense. So Gomez is doing Instagram live video chat with Jose Font. And next thing you know, Gabriel is commenting on it, saying that Andre Gomez was a great friend of his. And then he also said Jose Font and then used a little emoji, you know, saying like, be quiet. And so (laughs) that's kind of fueling the rumors and the hype um, and the excitement over the fact that, you know, maybe, maybe something's going to happen because you have Font who plays for Portugal with Andre Gomez. And then he also plays at Lille with Gabriel. And you're wondering why is he telling Jose Font to be quiet? And how is he such good friends with Andre Gomez? Because I don't imagine that their paths have crossed much um, in general. Right. And so this is one, A, fits a need. B, realistic team he'd be coming from. You'd have to think we could offer him a, a bit higher wages than Lille can. The the factor that's really going to be key for us this summer is just having Carlo Ancelotti and being able to to pitch that to players like, oh, you want to come play for one of the greatest living managers? Uh, I think that's a pretty easy sell for most people. And he would give us a bit different look in midfield. I think he's probably more similar to like Mason Holgate than like a Yuri Mina. I think he's he's roughly like 5'10", so he's not super big. Um, or maybe he's he's close close to six feet, but I don't think he's the most skilled in the air but more of a ball playing center back. I think this is a really good, exciting signing. We just need depth at that position. The Kurt Zuma miss will hopefully not linger too long uh, in Everton fans' minds as we kind of shift gears to maybe alternate options. But according to Transfer Market, his his market value is around $20 million. Transfer Market is notoriously like under underrates players for what they actually end up going for on the market. But for $20, 25000000 I think that's roughly what we're being... The, the the fee that's been tossed around, it seems like a good move and it gives us that depth. And Lewis Gibson is the other player that is currently out on loan at Ipswich. That's He's been doing great for them prior to the stoppage in play, but whether he's ready to make that step up to the Premier League is, is a huge question mark. So to have a player who is proven in one of Europe's top five leagues, has room to grow, he's still fairly young, it seems like a really, really good signing for us, should it come off. Absolutely. So as we wrap it up, we really appreciate all of you listening. Thank you for sticking with us and and being patient uh, through our little two, three week hiatus. Again, we will be recording weekly for the foreseeable future. So look out for episodes each weekend. Otherwise, up the toffees. 
Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.